Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker. I'm here with my co-host, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you girls today? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm um, good. I'm doing good. I'm just a bouncing energizer bunny over here. Yeah, no, it's going to be the Corey <laughs> podcast today. We're just going to let her ramble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much going on. This past week has been insane. Like whose head isn't spinning right now? I blacked out for a couple of days, so I didn't like, <laughs> read a lot of stuff. We knew this week was going to be like this, that there was just going to be yeah. breaking news like every day because... Uh-huh of this impeachment they they it's kind of like the Kavanaugh hearing you know right uh, where it was just like breaking news every day and it was all coming from the left you know they want to kind of steer the narrative and deflect and distract and you know you know right. what it was. that's exactly how it and then of course there's you know the big old coronavirus monopolizing the news uh-huh which is getting pretty big. So, like, so, so we'll discuss that today. So, the things we're going to discuss, we're going to discuss Corey's book that she just published the first chapter this morning, which is is AIDS US ninety billion dollar slush fund. Uh, we're going to talk about Rudy Giuliani's tweets and a podcast of him and Ted Cruz, the coronavirus, uh, the dinner leak video, which I don't actually know what that is. So, I'm interested to hear that. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. All right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, um, impeachment. Oh, impeachment. Impe- and Bolton. <laughs> All right. Start us off with the coronavirus. Speaker. With the coronavirus. Okay. So we did cover a little bit this last week, but uh, we'll cover the update now. I'll, I'll kind of split this into two parts. It has rapidly grown from what we thought. I mean, we had 17 deaths last week. Now it's gone up to 132, and that's just the distance between our last podcast. The number of confirmed cases are now 6,000, but remember, this Chinese data, so put another Mm -hmm. zero onto that. (laughs) Which So so this is now suppressed SARS. With SARS, I think it was around 5,500 people were confirmed to have it, but in the SARS case, there were 774 deaths between 17 countries. It has spread worldwide. Once again... All vitalities coming from within China are from mostly within Wuhan. Wuhan has been quarantined as the same as some other neighboring cities. Americans have actually evacuated some American citizens. Uh, so that's good. They've got them in quarantine. Yeah, they uh, just got off the plane in California this morning. They were showing it on the news. Yeah. And I think they said they're going to keep them for like two to 14 days to monitor it. I think that would be a safe call. British Airways have canceled all flights. I think a few countries are on the brink of this too. The scary thing that's kind of happened, I mean, it's all kind of scary in a way. Scary thing that's happened is the virus has spread to Germany, Japan, Taiwan, and Vietnam. But in these cases, they're all naturalized cases. So with these people who got affected, they hadn't been to China at all. Mm. So that was the first cases of of that happening. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying year, they now have like ground zeros in these other countries? That's what it's looking like. But all these people have been in contact with someone from Wuhan in, in some way, transferred from person to person. Gotcha. That's where that's where it's at now. But the, those are the first cases that of people that have not directly been to Wuhan. They're calling this strain the 2019 NCOV, Coronova strain. 
I'm just going to call it the Wuhan coronavirus because that's probably what they should have named it. I, I don't want to incite fear like the mainstream media does because I'm a lot more receptive to it. I, I Like I said, I think other countries are going to be fine at this rate. They seem to be treating all its been no deaths outside of China. But within China, I think we're going to see a rise, definitely a rise in, in deaths there. The way I'm looking at that, though, is the quarantine that they have in Wuhan at the moment is around 11 million people. And that's the metro area. With deaths, you've got to remember, uh, within a communist country like that, money is going to be God. So if you've got families that have got coronavirus and they have money, they're, of course, they're going to get treated first. They're going to get looked after a lot better than the homeless person that's caught coronavirus. That's where I think most of the deaths are coming from. Yeah, I saw a video the other day of some people going into a hospital being like turned away because they, didn't, they were out of room. Yep. Communist China. So a lot of these poor people, I really feel for them. They're the ones that are in the, at the most risk at the moment. We have seen videos of like people fainting on the street and stuff like that. I personally think that's more panic than anything else. But who knows? I'm just making an assumption on that. And panic can be a big killer too, especially mm-hmm. when you've got a city of 11 million people quarantined together. Right. I've I've also been following this uh, Irish uh, Irish teacher that's teaching in Wuhan, and he's been like blogging and sending videos off because he's in the quarantine area at the moment. And he he's been getting asked questions and stuff. He's been answering pretty well. He's a pretty chilled dude, so he's he, he's he's not too concerned. The way he's been describing stuff, I, like he went out of his house about four days ago, had to wear his mask and wore goggles because apparently you can catch it through the eyes. Huh. Uh, yeah, so he wore goggles and a mask. I uh, went down, bought like 10 days worth of food, uh, stocked up on water. Uh, he said the shops are fine. So the shops are still getting, they're still stacked with food, still stacked with water. So that's a really good sign within a, a quarantine area. So, he, so he's just going to like bunker down for 10 days and then go, go back out right, and get some more food. Out. Who knows how long he's going to be there for. But yeah. um, I, I, I might link his channel down, down in this chat or something because it's been interesting to hear his point of view coming out of there. I mean, it's just videos of him cooking in his house, but he's just telling you about what's going on. So he's on the lockdown. <laughs> I saw one video and I, don't, I didn't source it, so I don't know if it is actually what the person was claiming it was. But I saw a video where it appeared that people were protesting and fighting uh, the quarantine. Did you see any videos like that where um, there was I, like real pushback going on between the citizens and the police? Some. I, I did see it. It was people either trying to get out of the quarantine or people trying to get into the quarantine. So there, there has been a bit of conflict around the, the quarantine area of people trying to leave or people trying to smuggle like each other out and stuff like that. Of course, the Chinese are going to kick back on that. I mean, it's a quarantine area. Now, what's sure. the re- what's this recent news with the Department of Justice release on Harvard? Uh, I saw that thread you dropped and then uh, Edge the other day, but I haven't had a chance to. F- I read some of it. I haven't had a chance to really dig into it. Yeah, so indictment was unsealed the other day. Uh, a top uh, Harvard scientist charged with lying to the DOJ about his work for the Chinese recruitment program. Charles Leiber received some one point seven million dollars for research he conducted for Chinese Wuhan's University of Technology. So it's very interesting. So like I'll split this into two parts where we start going down the conspiracy road now. But it's really interesting that this is coming out now. 
Right. Like this is like this guy is a well-renowned. Yeah, he he's a Wolf Wolf Prize winner. He's a well-known chemist. He's he's very very famous in his field. So this is a big case. Uh, Quigley actually did a really good um, thread on it too. Yeah, I saw that he was uh, an expert in nanotechnology, but also it looks like biochemical as well. So, yep, yeah, that's curious. And then, again, it was out of, out of Wuhan where he had built a laboratory, I believe. He was paid to build a laboratory or be a part of a laboratory in Wuhan. Yeah, so the Wuhan University of Technology, where uh, LIBO was connected to, is 20 minutes away from Grand Zero. So it's only 20 minutes away from this fish market that where this apparently happened. Right. Um, and 30 minutes away from the Wuhan Biological Project Center, which we were getting, uh, which is their biggest bio lab. Very coincidental. And what, right. specifically, I, I know, I know, right? what specifically was he charged for? For lying to the DOD about his participation in this program, uh, it's like a Chinese recruitment program, um, and he had been part of it in the past, but then recently had said he was not, and so he got uh, in trouble, I believe, for lying to them about his recent participation in this program Mm. with the Chinese. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, he's getting $50,000 a month. Wow. Uh, so yeah, the FBI raided his home. Who now? Who knows what else they found in there? But it is extremely coincidental that this has happened at this time. I mean, I don't think we can totally disregard it. That's why I said, like, I I wanted to kind of break it into what you're kind of being told on the news as much as possible, and then what other little spot fires are going around around this event. Well, I have a couple of interesting tidbits that have been on the news regarding Send the virus. So just a couple of days ago, Bill and Melinda Gates announced, of course, they're going to come to the rescue and donate $10 million, $5 million to help over in China, and $5 million to put towards coming up with a fast vaccine for this. We knew that was coming. So, And I just want to say there's been, I've seen tons of people tweeting out that Bill Gates already had a vaccine, and I haven't seen any evidence on that. And I know there was some sort of test run thing they did a few months back or something. Again, I haven't had time to dig into that myself, so I can't speak to that. But I think, I do believe, if they had had a vaccine, they would have just said, oh, you know, we've been working on this because we've been working on the whole Ebola stuff and we've been working on the epidemics and the pandemics. And so we've already got this locked in. But instead, you see money going out to all these different places um, that produce vaccines and do the research. So the fact that he's shelling money out to do that is kind of indicative that he, they didn't already have a vaccine in place. That said, I'm sure they'll come up with one quick because they were probably already work, starting to work on it. Uh, in the meantime, AbbVie is providing HIV meds to treat the virus and they're shipping this over to China. I don't know if people read my other report on the transgender agenda, but I covered AbbVie in there because they are the number one seller of puberty blockers and coincidentally have very deep ties with the Clinton's Clinton Global Initiative. They even gave over 40000 to Hillary's presidential run in 2016. And so I find this very curious. They're saying that, um, well, here's just a little clip. They say AbbVie said it was donating more than $1 million worth of alluvia. Now, I'm going to butcher these names because everyone knows I can't pronounce stuff. 
a combination of lopinavir and navir as an ad hoc treatment for pneumonia that is associated with the outbreak. The Chinese government suggested last week that taking two of those pills, without me having to repeat that again, and inhaling a dose of nebulized alpha interferon twice a day could benefit these patients. And then there are more than uh, 2,000 known cases of the coronavirus in China. So their drug has previously been tested in patients with SARS and MERS, which are, you know, are similar viruses. And then other drug makers are also responding. Uh, Gilead, I think that it's pronounced Gilead, isn't it? Gilead Sciences, you know, the drug maker Gilead. Mm-hmm. Either Gilead or Gilead, I don't know. I'm probably butchering it. But at any rate, they are looking at its Ebola virus drug, another one I can't pronounce, Remdesivir, an <laughs> antiviral. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> As a, you know, and even if I threw it into Google to see how it's pronounced, I wonder, I wonder how they would pronounce this. I should try that. Anyway, as, as a potential coronavirus treatment as well. Now, Gilead is actually, they've moved into first place. They're at the top, top for producing the HIV meds. It used to be GlaxoSmithKline for years, and uh, I believe it's Gilead that kind of took over, so they're in competition there. So I just find all of that interesting because, well, I just this morning published chapter one of my HIV and AIDS report. So very interesting, very interesting. We'll see if uh, apparently there was someone, there was a doctor or something that had gotten infected. And so he took the HIV meds and it worked for him. And that's how they've concluded, oh, this could actually work for people. Let's start shipping it over. So now I'm keeping my eyes on PEPFAR because I'm thinking, hmm, is PEPFAR suddenly going to come to the rescue and say, you know, we need to shell out millions of dollars in drugs because if the HIV drugs are in fact going to help this, well, let's just roll with this while we're waiting on the vaccines to be produced. I don't know. I find it all very interesting. Hmm. So go more into your chapter of your book, Corey. Oh, you want me to go into my book already? Oh, well, you just segued it really well. <laughs> okay. Whew. It's a big book, big book. And I'm releasing, I'm rolling out one chapter at a time throughout 2020. It's called, Is Aid US $90 billion in taxpayer dollars being used for a slush fund? So in a global slush fund at that, there are three former presidents involved with this. There are over 35 governments and there are tons of NGOs. And so I released chapter one today to give the historical timeline of all these events actually dating back to when they you know first discovered HIV and there's a whole thing around that I'll get into in chapter two and uh, how the epidemic kind of began and then how they started turning it into money so just so people are aware though this book is focused on the fraud the scandals the slush fund it's I'm not going you know I'm not diving deep into AIDS itself or the alleged HIV virus. I am going to cover that a little bit, but what I'm doing is I'm showing all the scandals and the money flow and how drugs aren't even really making it to these locations and what's happening with our taxpayer dollars and who's all involved in this. So in chapter one, I go into the the entire timeline, which is 24 pages long, of course, and kind of a summary of this. And then 
In chapter two, I'm covering the Global Fund. Chapter three, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Chapter four, Gavi. Chapter five, Clinton Health Acts Initiative. Six will be PEPFAR. And then from there, I'm going to continue rolling out NGOs. I mean, we've got everyone you guys have wanted, you know, that people have been wanting to have exposed. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be covering them all. So it's going to take some time. I've already done 90 to 95% of the research on this kind of on and off over the last two years. This has been like my freaking major project I've been working on on the sidelines when I haven't been doing my other reports. Um, but now I have to write it all up. So I'm hope, hoping to get chapter two out by the end of next week, but I don't want to lock in a date because sometimes something pops or I come across something else that I decide I want to add into it. And of course that adds a little time. It's a say? monster, it this is. report that you've been working on, this book you've been working on. So I'm excited to see this. And um, this is definitely a topic that is sorely needed to be discussed. So I'm so glad that you're covering it. Yeah, it is. It's a beast. And uh, I, I released, just so everyone knows, I released chapter one on my website. So you can go there now. I also have it in the bookshop. Um, it's just $2.95 if you want it in PDF format. And I keep all the links intact. And so how I'm working the rest of this book, because like I said, this has been quite the project, very different from my other reports, is that anyone who becomes a patron will have full access to all the chapters. So when I publish these, I'm going to publish the summary and information on it. And so, you know, on my website, so everyone will have access to that. And then if they want the full full chapter. If you become a patron, it's very inexpensive. It helps me cover my expenses and time and putting all this together. Then you can get access to the full chapters. You can download them all. And once I have this complete, you know, 25 plus chapters, I will form it all together into one single book, which is going to be over 200 pages long. So this is kind of like my grand finale <laughs> of, so of big. agendas. <laughs> Yes, I'm so glad though to finally see it all come to fruition and have, you know, the first chapter out and it's it's very exciting. Because I've watched you go through this process of researching, gathering and writing. I know, and messaging you guys, guys, can you believe this? <laughs> <laughs> There's like 2000 bombshells in this. It's it's insane. It is such a web and it it is. It's very very time consuming splicing all this together and the dates and seeing their motives and how they orchestrated all of this and with three former presidents. I mean passing bills and executive orders and to to put all this in motion and then leaving, you know, office and having themselves set up so they're reaping the benefits from the money from our taxpayer dollars. Of course. Just, of course. Just we all need to go a year. I'm telling you, we all need to just go one year without paying income tax, which is totally illegal in the first place. And boom, this shit folds. Sickening. So definitely guys, check out this latest report from Corey. It's just the beginning of a massive web that she is going to be unfolding for us. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> almost you, you, almost you, as good as the impeachment. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. <laughs> Do you like that speaker? Oh, I hate it. Let's talk about Bolton first, then speaker. Okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. We'll get through the Bolton leak and the Trump leak first. Okay. Okay. I loved that Trump leak. Well, we knew that they were going to try some kind of Hail Mary and hurl something up at the last minute by the Crooked Dems, and just like they did in the Kavanaugh confirmation. And they've probably been holding on to this one for a while, just waiting till they needed to throw it up. 
And just like they always do, what did they do? They leaked it to the New York Times, of course. Sunday night, the New York Times published this piece using an anonymous source, <laughs> always mm-hmm. an anonymous source, right? who described the manuscript that John Bolton is working on publishing. It was not a copy of the manuscript provided. It was just a description of the manuscript from this anonymous source that New York Times printed a story on. And so this book by John Bolton, who was the former security advisor to Trump and was tanked several months ago, very publicly, this anonymous source describes Bolton's manuscript as saying that there was this meeting with Trump and Barr and Bolton and that Trump wanted to withhold Ukraine's aid until they agreed to investigate Biden. Trump's come out and saying that this is not how it happened. It did not happen this way. The DOJ made a statement about it as well, stating that the New York Times account of this conversation was grossly mischaracterizing the conversation, and there was no discussion of personal favors or undue influence on investigations. And many are comparing this Bolton book to Comey, who did the same sort of thing, and is just a way to get revenge because, again, there was a very public situation with with the the way that Bolton left his position. So uh, they're saying, you know, this was just a way of getting revenge and a way of profiting off of some lies and leaks, just like Comey. And of course, with the timing and everything, there's definitely been some comparisons made between Bolton and Christine Blasey Ford from the Kavanaugh confirmation. In fact, some pretty funny memes merging the two together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then did you see the video this morning that came out of uh, Bolton? It's it's like a one minute spot. We should uh, play just a short segment of that clip from August 2019, where Bolton's talking about between, you know, the conversation between President Trump and and President Zelensky as warm and cordial. So we should roll that clip. Do you plan to visit to meet President Zelensky and what messages uh, did you bring to him? Well, I I will be meeting President Zelensky. Uh, He and President Trump have already spoken twice. Uh, uh, President called to congratulate President Zelensky on his election and then on his success in the parliamentary election. They were very warm and cordial calls. Uh, We're hoping that Uh, They'll be able to meet in Warsaw and have a few minutes together uh, because the success of Ukraine, uh, maintaining its freedom, uh, its system of representative government, uh, a free market economy free of corruption, uh, and dealing with the problems of the Donbass and the Crimea are uh, high priorities here, obviously, but high priorities for the United States as well. So there you have it. Um, We'll see if Bolton is called to testify, which I guess if uh, you know, we, when we talk about the impeachment stuff, we can get into that, uh, where everything's going to fall as far as voting for witnesses and so forth. But, you know, definitely the Dems would love to see that happen. I'll tell you what, there's, there's one, like, I, I've got a few criticisms of Trump. I mean, the man's not perfect, but one thing he has to do, he has to stop hiring these idiots, man. <laughs> we I'm said this back you. when they, we said this uh, 
months ago when he got rid of Bolton. They were like, we didn't understand why he was brought in in the first place. The guy is clearly a neocon. He's clearly very committed to the military industrial complex, which is committed to keeping us in perpetual wars. And, you know, it just didn't seem like a good fit. That's not what Trump's about. I'm curious too as to why Bolton was ever brought in. So I don't know. It is curious and varying opinions as to why that was and you know what uh, what the play is here for the Trump for the, the Trump administration. Yeah, and then they're you know, they're always trying to pull different leaks. So so this was last oh God, I don't remember the exact day. I wanna say like last Friday, maybe Saturday, probably Friday. When the little 10 second, 20 second clip came out where Trump was talking about getting rid of, you know, Ambassador Ivanovich out of Ukraine and uh, from, from a dinner meeting that was videoed and audioed, I believe by Lev Parnas, right? Well, I believe it was Lev Parnas. I don't know if that's confirmed, but I've heard several people reporting that. So, hmm. okay. So at any rate, they're playing just this very short little clip saying, you know, where he says, get rid of her, get her out tomorrow, take her out. Okay, just do it. Which is perfectly legal. And and if I was president, I would be removing her too. I mean, she's walking around saying he's going to be impeached and you don't want someone like that representing you or our country. So What's interesting now, and what was absolutely fantastic and made my Saturday night, was when I found the full hour and 21 minutes of that recording. I literally laid down and just listened to that all night. It was fantastic. I highly recommend, I'll put the link below the video, everyone should listen to this, because what it showed was people in a very casual setting, they were talking shop, they were laughing, they all felt very relaxed, um, because Trump makes you feel that way. You know, he's very, it's interesting because a lot of people are under the impression that he's, you know, narcissistic or an egomaniac and whatever. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. One thing I've observed time and time again is he actually is quite humble in many ways. And when people compliment him, he'll quickly say thank you and he will turn it back onto them and say, how are you doing? Or how's your father doing? Or how's business going? It's like, he's not, entirely comfortable as much as people think he is and wants the spotlight and it may come across that way at times he's not entirely comfortable with compliments it's interesting at any rate they're talking shop they're talking about all the different industries he's asking every single person so how's business he wants to learn he wants to make this country better he wants to improve upon these industries and they're talking points and they're talking money and you know, has this helped over here? Or what do you guys think of this? And it, I mean, he even stopped and asked me, hey, how's the food? <laughs> you know, he's so genuine and down to earth and authentic in this. The whole thing should be aired so that everyone can hear like a behind the scenes dinner, what it's like. And the whole time, his whole concern is for this country, for, for the economy and trying to get things to a better place. And what was funny is right after, it was about 42 minutes in, right after that clip that all the news stations were airing, trying to you know, pin this on him as though he did something wrong, he, uh, they talked about, there was a gentleman in the background that said, that said uh, to Trump, he said, hey, why don't you just walk down to the FBI with TV cameras 
on and just say, you know, give me the 1.2 million. And, and Trump says, it's a deep state deal, but it's going good. You see the other side, the stuff that they have is bad about the other side that they are trying to keep, that they are trying to keep it, but it's now coming out. And then he says he has to wait. And the woman there says, well, are you waiting? You know, why don't you release it? Or are you waiting for the right timing? And he's like, I'm waiting for the timing. So, and this was back, oh, I didn't get the exact date on this. Did either of you get the date? No, I, I, I didn't get the date. I can't remember if this was 2019 or 2018, but this is a ways back because they're actually talking about the presidential run and they didn't know who was even going to be running yet. And so, so it was just, it was really interesting to hear all of this. And of course they talked about Bernie and talked a little about HRC and he was saying what a crap deal she made with South Korea where she was supposed to be creating 250,000 jobs over here. And, and Trump says, yeah, in South Korea. <laughs> so, so it was just, it was, it was very uh, enlightening. They could, they could use pieces out of that for a campaign ad, I'm telling you. Yeah, see, it is very cool to see behind the scenes and to see how genuine he is and how much he really does listen to experts that he puts into place and say, you know, and, and take advice from them and hear what their input is. He does seem like he's very down to earth. If anybody was taking this video in order to make Trump look bad, that, right. they, they failed miserably because right. I ended up loving him more after right. watching. Right. You almost felt like, wow, was this a setup? Was this intentionally? Exactly. This is nothing. There's nothing here. I mean, this is great. It's fantastic. Right. I really don't know. I'm still trying to figure out my own theory here, but if Lev Parnas is the creep that I, you know, he seems to be, and he's the one who took this video and the worst thing they could get on him is the fact that he wanted to get rid of an ambassador of Ukraine <laughs> who was right. undermining his administration. Right. Uh, then you got nothing. You got mm -hmm. nothing. I, I mean, know. that's, that's totally within his power to do that. And it was the right call to do that. Yeah. I mean, what was, that was one of the first moves he made when he got in was to pull back tons of ambassadors. Do you remember that? And I think Obama may have even done the same thing. So, I mean, this is, this is completely normal and within his right. Yeah. These yeah, are but... not elected people. These are appointed people and they serve at the pleasure of the president. And if they were right. undermining and acting like operatives, you know, against the administration, then they should be right. pulled immediately. Well, some right. of them are clearly spying on him because we've got tapes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. Uh-huh. But it ended up working in his favor, which just makes me wonder, did he know he was being taped? You know what? He had to, because if you look at it, it, this is not just an audio recording. The person who was recording walked into the room. Originally, you could see a handful of people standing around this big, long dinner table. And someone said to him, just so you know, some people might not want their photos taken. And he said, okay, okay, no problem. So when they all sat down to eat, he set the phone upright on the table because you can tell because it's aimed at the ceiling and it's picking up the ceiling light and you could clearly hear everyone and you could kind of even visualize exactly where they're all sitting based on where the voices were coming from. So he was sitting pretty much directly across from Trump, I believe. Um, that's what it sounded like to me. So anyone serving him, which it got kind of loud and annoying when like he started eating and the phone's right there. <laughs> You can hear him chewing at times, but whoever served him or was right there, I mean, unless there's phones where you're recording and the screen goes black, 
wouldn't that have been lit up right i don't know i don't know i don't know all very suspect yeah yeah I, i'm i'm curious about this left parnas character i mean they had to know his background they had to know he had a potential to be compromised because uh -huh. of his background um it's surprising that he was allowed to be in the presence of the president possibly um, used just for that reason if it was him yep Yep. Yeah. So what else is wrong with impeachment? Did you guys catch uh, everything that's been going on this past week? Because I only caught like bits and spurts. I was trying to finalize my book to get out. Well, I haven't caught everything. But, well, I know um, Speaker didn't catch anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'll catch one second of it. Yeah, I, I got the highlights for you. Let's just put it that way. Trump's team this week has done a really solid job on laying out very clearly how there was no crime committed by the president, no high crimes or misdemeanors, no bribery. They obliterated this weak articles of impeachment that the House <clears throat> presented. And they've actually laid out a really clear case for real crimes by Hunter and Joe Biden and Burisma. So on Monday, Trump's attorney, Jane Raskin, she laid out really clearly, four instances in which Rudy Giuliani got it right and Adam Schiff got it really wrong and pushed a false narrative. So she, you know, talks about four different instances with regards to FISA abuse, misconduct of the FBI, the false narrative of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. She just goes on this list of comparing Rudy Giuliani's statements with Adam Schiff's statements. And in every single one, Rudy was spot on and Adam Schiff was wrong. So she just <laughs> closes it out, you know, with Mayor Giuliani for Mr. Schiff zero. Basically making the argument that how are we supposed to even believe Adam Schiff at this point when he's been wrong on so many things. And I thought that that was really brilliant and uh, a clever way that they had laid that out. So that, that was one uh, good highlight. And then Trump's attorney, Pam Bondi, really did the slam dunk. So she laid out a case as to why Trump was totally justified in asking for an investigation into the Bidens. And the level of corruption that Pam Bondi laid out in her arguments was staggering. I mean, she talked about how Joe Biden was tasked to, to lead this Ukraine policy and root out corruption. <clears throat> and she talked about how the UK's serious fraud office opened an investigation into money laundering by Burisma. And the very next month is when Hunter Biden was appointed to this board. And she, you know, we know what happened after that, how the story ends. Hunter Biden was paid loads of cash and quid pro Joe was caught on video bragging about how he forced the Ukraine to fire the prosecutor who was investigating Barisa and Hunter. And in she showed to, that clip. She did show that clip. And, and AB, was it ABC, NBC, and was it CBS? Who was the third one? They, they cut that segment and they didn't yes. show it on yes. air, of course. So there was a media blackout by all three of the big television networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC of Pam Bondi's arguments because they were so brutally destroyed. Damning. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so the, and just in general, there has not been fair coverage on Trump's defense team and their arguments versus Schiff's team and the Democrats. Well, we knew that. We knew that was coming. They always pull that. And then speaking of Biden, Rudy Giuliani has been dropping some bombs lately on Twitter. You want to talk about that, Corey? Yeah. So this morning, 
uh, he dropped a tweet. So he started his own podcast. I'm going to put the link below on our YouTube because we're on a lot of podcast systems now, platforms, but in the YouTube, we'll put the link below. Um, Ted Cruz is another one who started a podcast. So anyone who's uh, interested in those, check them out. So he tweeted this morning that today, Common Sense, which is his podcast, will release a bombshell medical report proving there was an attempt to murder the key witness in the Biden-Poroshenko double bribery case, Victor Shokin. Victor was diagnosed by a world-famous Austrian doctor who confirms he was nearly killed. I mean, these are, <laughs> these are bombshells. They're not messing around. No. So I'm definitely going to listen in on that and see what that's about. For anyone who doesn't remember or who's new to this podcast, we do record on Wednesdays and we release every Friday. So when we say today or tomorrow, we oftentimes forget that we're, you know, we're releasing on Friday. So by the time we release this, um, this will have published, he will have published this podcast on uh, Wednesday, the January 30th. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about that one, but that is just bombshell right there. I mean, Victor Shokin was the prosecutor that got fired, no? Yeah. Victor Shokin is the former prosecutor general of Ukraine, and he was the one that was investigating Biden and Burisma. He was the one that Biden had fired because he was poking around into, right. into Hunter and Burisma. So, but yeah, yeah, that's nuts, man. Uh, so I can't wait to hear about what, what uh, Rudy Giuliani has to say. Big. Yeah, with all of this, we have a lot of speculation on how the senators, how they're going to vote. The voting probably will take place after we drop this pro podcast on Friday morning. So this week we've had Diane Feinstein hinting that she's going to lean towards acquitting Trump. She stated for the LA Times, quote, nine months to go, the people should judge. We are a republic. We are based on the will of the people. The people should judge, unquote. And so people were taking that as uh, she's leaning towards acquitting. But then in the same day, she- She corrects it. <laughs> yes, she tweets out. Feinstein comes out on Twitter and says that the LA Times misunderstood her when they quoted her. And she went on to say that before the trial, I said I'd keep an open mind. Now that both sides made their cases, it's clear the president's actions were wrong. He withheld vital Crystal foreign clear. assistance for personal political gain. That can't be allowed to stand. So someone got to her or someone pressured her or someone made her correct this statement that she made for the LA Times. That's my take anyways. But so then, so then there was that this week. And then we also had some media outlets reporting that a few moderate Democrats in red states like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kirsten Cinema of Arizona and Doug Jones of Alabama, who were reportedly undecided after hearing arguments on both sides. And now the vote you're talking about is for whether we're going to bring in more witnesses, correct? Well, yeah, the vote, the vote at the end of this week will be for more witnesses, but also some were, people are also discussing voting for acquitting, as in the case with Diane Feinstein. Also, this, this, these reports that were coming about, out about these moderate Dems were possibly voting for acquitting, too, or just being on the fence. Undecided. Of course, they all want to bring Bolton in the undecided. House. Undecided. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And then we had Mitch McConnell reportedly is telling Republicans on Tuesday that he does not have the votes to block witnesses. This may change, though. I've also heard reports that by Friday he may have the votes. But there's four senators, Collins, Romney, Murkowski, and Alexander, that look to be the ones that are causing this issue. So we'll see on how they vote for more witnesses and if Bolton gets called. But here's the beauty. Lindsey Graham on Tuesday predicted that there will be 51 Republican votes to call Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the whistleblower, <laughs> and the DNC staffer at a very Let's minute. do it, man. Let's bring the witnesses on. I mean, Let's what's Bolton going to say? I'm trying to envision this under oath. Hard to say. Of course, most of these folks have no problem lying on international television, you know? That's what I do. Shoot, why don't we bring Victor Shokin in and his doctor? Right? right? <laughs> he can explain uh, how they tried to kill him. Uh. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Giuliani cracks me up. I know, there's a lot said on, <laughs> lot said on uh, hmm, both sides about Giuliani, you know, but... He's a character. I, it, he is. He is. And I'm glad he's on our side and that he is dropping these bombs. So that's a good thing. What else we got to talk about, guys? That's it, guys. I think we smashed short. The speaker says, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. I'm gen- I am in bed. It's early over there. You're yeah, doing this I'm, while you're in bed? <laughs> yeah, I've got my headphones and I'm lying in bed. <laughs> wow. Is- the visuals. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Get me out of your head, ladies. What are you doing? Oh. Jesus. Oh, man. All right. I got a funny story I can share. Share it. So, you know, the report I dropped today, right? On mm-hmm. uh, on the whole AIDS slush fund agenda. And we know that Bono's involved in this, which I will have a chapter on Bono. Don't worry about that. I actually have a few chapters on Bono. That's coming a little bit down the road because I'm trying to go somewhat in chronological order from when these organizations first formed um, and then when they got involved with the Global Fund or PEPFAR. So at any rate, I'm sure most people are aware that he has the company. Well, it's not actually a company. It's a brand name called Product Red. And Red works with, you know, Apple, iPhone, um, I believe Target, a whole, whole bunch of companies where if the products are red and you buy them, then a portion of that money goes to the global fund. So my dad's phone was going on the blink and I've given him my last two cell phones and then bought new ones. And so this time he said, why don't I buy this one? And then you give me your old phone because he hasn't had to buy one in years. And I'm like, all right, that sounds like a deal, but I'm so busy right now. Can we just like swap it in a couple months when I have more time? Cause I have too much to get done and it's going to take so long for me to reset my apps and all my stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So I'll go down and and, um, get the new one. So I told him which one to get. And, uh, you know, of course, the one with like, they all track, but the one that I can work with the best on avoiding some of that stuff. So he goes down to get it. And then he calls me afterwards and says, hey, can I come over? Can you get my email set up and everything? And I look at the phone and it's freaking red. I go, why did you get a red phone? 
He's like, and, and it's got a black case on it. So you can only see around the camera, like a little one inch square that's red. And he goes, well, they were out of black and all they had was white and red. And I didn't want to carry white. I'm like, but it's not even going to be your phone. You're only going to be carrying it for like a month or two. Why didn't you text me and ask me? And he's like, well, like you just said, though, it's covered up in black. I go, do you know what the red phones are? Do you know the book I've been working on? He's like, what? I said, you are now feeding this monster. Every month you make these payments. It's going to the global fund. This is the, you know, the organization that I've been writing about for two years. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> So today we go to the farmer's market and he's like, you know, I, I, I'm really liking this phone. Uh, you may not get this phone. I mean, you can't seem to handle this whole red thing anyway. So I may just keep this phone. <laughs> he had no I idea. I a freaking phone over this whole thing. He didn't know. He's like, what I do? I know. <laughs> he didn't know. I'm like, I just can't believe. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard to live in this world and not somehow, some way feed into the corrupt system. It really yeah, is. So anyone out there who wasn't aware of that, you know, these red products, look it up, Product Red. See you all the products they work with and that money that's funneling through these people. And make sure, you know, well, I'll let you be the judge. You decide whether you want to buy those products or not. There you go. 100%. That's a good way to close it. Uh, we're done, team. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to us, guys, here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are now on, help me out here, guys. Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Hmm, as well Corey. as YouTube, of course. YouTube, of course. Corey <laughs> on the ball. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Nice, guys. That was a bit of a relaxed podcast.